In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. The new uniforms have come out and I'm joined with my co-host, Jack Duffin, and I'm also here with Jeff Risden. Jeff, how are you, buddy? It is good to be with you on... We got so close to the draft now. We got new uniforms to get excited about. It's a very fun time to be a Browns fan. Excellent. I think we are, is it eight days away, Jack, from the draft? It's eight days away if you're in America because we kick off the draft at 1 a.m. Friday morning. It's uh, it's nine days here, but uh, yep, it's eight days for most of our listeners. Excellent. And uh, Jeff, you are 50%. No, maybe 70% Browns and 30% Detroit Lions. My first question to you is, more on the Detroit Lions side, the pace setters of the draft, who do you see them taking with their third pick? Yeah, they're at number three, and they would love to get Chase Young if he's at number three. I don't think he's going to be at number three, though. I think he's going to go number two. And that leaves Ohio State cornerback Jeff Okuda is the overwhelmingly that that's the choice that everybody seems to think it's going to be. And I've, I've heard very little dissension on that. It could be Derek Brown. I know that they liked him earlier in the process and he's sort of faded to the back burner. And as the draft cycle, new cycle moves on, he's sort of circled back up. Uh, I, I think if it's not Okuda, it would be Derek Brown, but I think that's only in a trade back They're They're pretty, seem pretty well set at, at taking Okuda at three. Jeff, can you see the uh, Lions uh, trading up into that second spot at all to get their person? I don't think they're going to do that. I think they would like to trade back, actually. Uh, if if a Miami at five or uh, the Chargers at six want to move up and guarantee that they get the quarterback of their choosing, Detroit would be open for business for that. Will that happen? We'll see. I, I, I think there's, there's some realm of possibility from it. As long as they could move back and still get Okuda or Brown, I think they'd be very happy to do that. But if I don't think they're going to fall back further than that. You know, seven, eight, uh, God forbid the Browns at 10, if they some for some strange reason want to move up, I, I don't think that the Lions would fall back that far. Yeah, and um, in this draft headlines, what do you see the uh, Detroit Lions going for throughout the whole of the draft? You know, they have to get a pass rusher. They have to get a, a number one cornerback. They need wide receivers desperately. They do not have a single wide receiver under contract after 2020. Uh, they're going to lock up Kenny Galladay, and he's a good one. But uh, Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola are the only other two wide receivers that really do anything. They're both aging and on one-year contracts. So they're, they, they desperately need help there. They need, a like like the Browns, they do not have a current starting right guard on the team either. So that, that's something that they have to look at. Uh, they, they could use defensive line help. They could use probably a, a developmental type linebacker or, or hybrid linebacker safety. They, they've tried a couple of guys with that and it hasn't really worked out. So they'd probably like to get somebody else into that system. But uh, the big needs are corner, pass rusher off the edge, and wide receiver. You can't see the Lions doing anything crazy. Stafford's their uh, 
uh, franchise quarterback, he's staying there? Or do you think any chance of them nicking a quarterback at all? I really don't think so. He, it would cost them uh, $32 million to get rid of him this year. He wants to be in Detroit. That's important in Detroit. Uh, after this year, all bets are off. You know, if they have another poor season, if he, God forbid, breaks his back again, then, then it can change. But he will be the quarterback in 2020, and I don't think that they want to address it when uh, their coach and GM are both on either win or die mandate you know, going into the season. Uh, taking a developmental quarterback doesn't really help them win, and uh, I don't think they want to die, so I don't see them taking a quarterback early. Jack, do you see the Detroit Lions doing anything uh, crazy, or do you think it's quite uh, textbook what they're going to do? Yeah, I think it's only going to be if there's that scare story that they've seen a medical report, but I've expected that to leak by now, so I don't think quarterback's on the board. Um, And then between them, yeah, I I think there's three options there. I think there's two main ones that you're going to see. It's either going to be Chase Young because someone's traded up to two and taken Tua, or it's going to be someone trading up to the Detroit Lions pick to grab Tua. Um, The only one is that... If it all, is all smoke and no one feels confident on tour and then he starts dropping, then yeah, they might have a CUDA there. But I think that's more unlikely than the other two scenarios. I think you're most likely going to see Chase Young as the first non-QB off the board or you're going to see a trade back um, and someone goes up to tour. I think those first three picks are pretty much locked in as two quarterbacks and Chase Young. So uh, that's where I'd expect it to be. But who knows? Draft night is a uh, crazy and fun experience and uh, I can't wait. Excellent. Yeah, and that's a nice, good question for Jeff. What are you going to be doing on uh, draft night, Jeff? So this will be the first year where I'm not out and about. Uh, I work for a radio station here in, the, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we normally have a draft party, and uh, it's very well attended, and I'm, I'm going to miss it this year for the first time since 2014, I think. I've been doing it every year since then. Uh, so I will be at home in my basement uh, watching writing, um, covering two teams. i got to write up a, uh, quite a bit of stuff, but uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, my kids will at least, you know, try to participate a little bit and give me some interaction because for me, the draft is a very big social event. I love being around the people. I love the juice of, of being out and about, you know, at a, at a sports bar or something like that. And uh, we can't do that here. So uh, I, I'm going to be uh, living vicariously probably on, on some Zoom chats and things like that, too. Excellent. Well, look, if we go live, it'd be great to get you on just for a few seconds to Oh, absolutely. Please do. Feedback on the Detroit Lions. But look, guys, let's be brutal. We're not a Deloitte Detroit Lions uh, podcast. We're a Cleveland Browns podcast. So, uh, Jeff, the million-dollar question. What do you see the Browns doing at number 10? I think if Tristan Wirfs is there, he's the pick. But I don't think he's going to be there. And that that saddens me because I think he's a perfect fit for exactly what they need at the left tackle. I know he played right tackle at Iowa. That's because they had a guy who could only play left tackle there instead of right tackle. I, I love Worfs. I think he would be a great fit at a home run pick. Presuming he's not there, I think they're looking at Andrew Thomas. I think they're going to look at, at a guy like Isaiah Simmons. I think they're going to look at Javon Kinlaw. And I think that's probably the most realistic options at 10. And probably in that order, too. Jack, how do you feel about that order? Yeah, it's one that there seems to be a lot of hype coming out today that Andrew Thomas is going to go as the first tackle off the board. Um, so that, that's going to be an interesting one because that's not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Worths to be probably the top guy or Beckton potentially because there is something fall in love. But it's going to be really interesting to see because it only takes one team to 
love a guy more than you and who knows the order of those they've called them in all on um their virtual visits um loads of others you've got um cleveland's come in you've got josh jones come in so uh it's going to be wild what happens on the night so it's going to be fascinating as and as i've said i love the situation to either be two quarterbacks are gone when we pick at 10 and then there's that real option for trading back and the third quarterback there or four quarterbacks go and that's going to push more talent down to us and then we'll have a better pick for what happens i think the worst case scenario is three quarterbacks go and then like three or say tackles of those tops or perceived top four and then you sat there with a choice of beckton or trade down because that's something i'm going to trade down but I could see someone going Beckton. Um, I think he's definitely got the highest upside. It wouldn't surprise me if he turns out to be the best tackle prospect, but I'm not interested in risk. I want a nice, steady person at my tackle. I want to know if you're really confident in him. I don't need flash plays. It's not something like an edge defender, a wide receiver, where flash plays are good. You just want that steady, what is that solid average that you see on the majority of snaps. And for me, Andrew Thomas or Worths, they're the guys. Yeah, and... uh... Jeff, how would you rate in uh, your eyes, first of all, them four tackles? What, what would be your um, – what order do you think they're going to go in? You know, I, I, think, I think Jack actually said it well that you, you don't want to take that risk with the flash plays, and you do get a lot of that with Beckton. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up being the best, but I don't think he's going to be the best right away, and he certainly has the lowest floor of any of them. So I, I like Werfs. Uh, I have gone back and forth on Jedrick Wills all all draft process because there are games where I watch it and I'm like, oh yeah, I like this guy a lot. And there's other times like, why why doesn't he do more? And that bugs me a little bit. But he's he's certainly not bad, and and would 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 be an upgrade over whatever Cleveland has trotted out since Joe Thomas retired. But I, I think I would probably prefer Andrew Thomas over Wills like six days out of seven. Um, if you catch me on the right day, though, I could probably be, be persuaded into Wills. And then uh, then you got Beckton. Uh, then I have a, a bit of a – I actually like Josh Jones um, not much further down than these guys, the, the, the young man from Houston. He hasn't, he hasn't shown it on game tape yet. His game tape is like if, you, if you're taking him at 10, you're like, oh, my goodness, that's, that's a reach. But you saw the potential. I was in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. I saw him firsthand. I saw how he handled his business. I, I listened to him, and, and he, he told the story of, you know, why he's a little bit of, of a, a late bloomer, and I like it, and I like his upside a lot, and I think that the Browns and the, the, the blocking scheme that they're going to go for, I think he'd be a very nice fit within that. He's got very good mobility skills. He's got length. He, he has exceptional balance while he's moving, so I can see them liking him a lot too, uh, but he's, he's definitely a tier below Becton in terms of what you're getting right now. Yeah, and uh, last question on this is, who do you think the Browns is top two tackles on their board? I, I think I think Worst is solidly their number one, and I do think that An- that Andrew Thomas is their second. Uh, that that's just my guess. It, it, I I don't see them liking Beckton, um, and and this is an argument that I know plays out on Twitter every day, and I try to stay out of it. Uh, I, I just think that they're like, again, like Jack said, there's, there's so much risk there. And I think that the analytical bent of the front office will, will say that that's probably not a risk that you need to take when there are other viable options there. Yeah. You've got Joe Thomas that 
potentially might go down as the best left tackle ever in the NFL. And the difference between having the best left tackle in the NFL and just having sort of a top 10 left tackle isn't actually that dramatic when it comes to winning. But the minute you go below average, that's where the big gap is. And if you have that fear of you have sort of someone that you go, this is a top 20 left tackle, then you start getting into a danger zone because they get beat regularly. Your quarterback's then not confident. So what sort of the data has shown is you just need to be better than average. So you can't afford to go too risky with a tackle prospect because being that sort of number one, number two, number three left tackle, it's awesome to see a player like Joe Thomas, phenomenal. But it's not actually that much of a massive benefit over that sort of top five, top ten being number one. So as long as you can get that really good play, don't take the risk as much. Just make sure you're a great player because the last thing you want is you get a left tackle that you really like. Turns out he's not the guy. And in two years' time, you're back doing it again and you've already moved that pick on. That's a dangerous place to be. Um, You've seen it a lot in the past. Um, Greg Robinson, obviously one of them. But um, you don't want to be in that position where you're taking a risk. Go safe. Andrew Thomas is the really safe one. Worths is a guy that I think would be a fantastic guy to have him number one on the board as well. But they're the two that I feel most confident in. Um, and I think an analytical front office is going to feel exactly the same way. Uh, Jeff, question for you. Uh, all four tackles go before the, the Browns get there at number 10. And, and Simmons is on the board at number 10. What do you do? trade down or do you take Simmons? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. So I am not as on board of Simmons being this instant mega superstar in the NFL as most people are. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. I think what he did in college is, is unprecedented and remarkable, but I'm not sure that it translates directly to the NFL. I'm worried that NFL coaches are not going to have the freedom and liberty to deploy him the way that Clemson did. Um, but man, he's, he would be so good for what Cleveland needs in replacing Joe Schobert in the middle of the defense and being the guy that a lot of fans bemoan to Schobert for being, for not being a guy who's downhill enough. And that's certainly not a concern with, with Isaiah Simmons. I do like the tackles later in the, in the draft. So I, I, Honestly, I would probably take Simmons there because I do think he can make an impact for your defense. The fact that you don't need him to be a superstar, I think, is, is something that's important. And, and I'll equate it to a guy in Buffalo, Tremaine Edmonds, who came in under similar circumstances. They had a solid defense around him, and they let him just kind of do his thing. And he's been really, really good for them. He's got over 230 tackles in two years. Simmons can be that in the middle of that. They, they don't have to worry about making him fabricating a pass rush. You know, they, they have owners that can cover on the outside. Well, hopefully anyways. Uh, and, and, you know, at safety, they've at least, you know, plugged the leak with, with a guy like Carl Joseph um, and Andrew Sandejo. I'm hopeful that they will take more later. And, and you know, maybe, maybe Simmons can chip in some there as well in sort of a, a hybrid linebacker safety role. So I would probably go with him, honestly. Again, I'm not his biggest fan, but, but I see why he would work in Cleveland at 10. Let's look a bit more deeper into the draft. What uh, Does this say for argument's sake now the Browns do take a tackle with their first pick? What do you see him doing in round two and three? They're some of the key, key rounds. You know, I do think that they need to get another cornerback in. And uh, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, that's a great young core. You still have Terrence Mitchell. 
Um, Kevin Johnson, I am not a Kevin Johnson fan. I saw him in Houston firsthand. Uh, he might get hurt while we're recording this. That's, that's, that's just the way he is. I'm not depending on him in the long term. So I would love to see them get a specifically, I'd like to see a cornerback with some size that can play outside and maybe you move Ward inside when the, when the opposing team goes to three wide receivers. I think that would work well. So, you know, a, a bigger cornerback, a guy who weighs over 200 pounds, you know, maybe six feet tall, six one. And there's quite a few of those guys that you can find on day two. Um, not necessarily standouts, but I don't think they necessarily need to be standouts either. You got to get a linebacker. Uh, B.J. Goodson ain't it. He's, he's, he's a placeholder. You, you, just, you just lost Joe Schobert. Taki Taki and Wilson, they have promise. And, and I'm optimistic that they will develop into something, but you need something more with that. So I would go there. I would love to have a backup plan at defensive tackle with, with Ogan Joby's long-term status uncertain. I, I, I would like something there. Uh, another pass rusher to maybe replace or complement Olivier Vernon opposite, uh, opposite Miles Garrett would be nice. A wide receiver. Uh, the wide receiver is a very interesting spot because Landry and Beckham are both coming off of surgeries, and they're great at, as the first two, but what do they really have after that? So I do think that, that on offense, I cannot – overstate the need for more wide receiver talent specifically guys that, that will make Baker comfortable a guy who can maybe work the middle of the field but also I, I would love to see a, a just a pure vertical threat that's better than Damian Ratley because right now they don't have that I think that would open things up a lot for the the tight end centric offense you know working with Hooper and, and Najoku you know underneath with, with Beckham and Landry if you have a guy who can keep that safety occupied and keep him from cheating up my goodness, that, that, that opens up a whole lot of things. And, th and that's a role that you can find in, you know, third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I've just seen that uh, Hollywood Higgins has put lit, basically, against the Cleveland Browns uniform. It sounds like he's still trying to get a contract with the Browns. I, his situation, someday there's going to be the, the full story is going to come out. We're all going to be like, oh, wow, because I can't explain it. I don't think you guys can explain it. I don't think anybody can explain what has happened with him just yet. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see that resolved. I, honestly, it would kind of surprise me if the Browns took him back. I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I, for whatever reason, it just seems like there's something there that they don't like about him, and I don't know what it is. Jack, what's your view on uh, Hollywood Higgins, mate? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth getting somebody because at the moment you've only really got two wide receivers on the roster. Um, for me, they've obviously both got injury uh, questions, as Jeff said, and one of them is probably gone after this year just because of cap compliance and it'll be the second year running. We've had the most expensive wide receiver tandem now. Sammy Watkins has taken a uh, restructured deal. So that's probably going to be a move that will happen. So it's better to prepare now. You don't usually get too much out of a year one wide receiver. So in a very gifted class where you can get some amazing talent in as deep as sort of rounds four and five, it's going to be a, a time when I would look at taking two potentially because if you get Holly taking one, but you want to have that depth and have that quality. So for me, the only real position on offense is that one, two wide receivers you want to get in the sort of first five rounds. And then I want to take potentially a tight end. Because just having two tight ends is okay, but if you want to play a two wide uh, two tight end set, you need to have that an X wide receiver because the last thing you want it all goes to plan, and then David Njoku or even Hooper goes down the first week, and suddenly you're like, okay, we now need to either put, um, let's say, uh, 
just trying to think who would be the best one. Um, Carlson out there say on the majority. Pharaoh Brown or Stephen Carlson? They, they don't excite you, Jack? <laughs> I can't get that excited about them as, as starting nearly every snap <laughs> as a uh, <laughs> second tight end. And then sort of if that's the only real positions on offense. Offense is actually looking pretty good and it's got that depth there other than wide receiver for more or less next year. If we flip to the defense, there's a lot of weakness. Interior D-line, they're all on basically one year. Richardson's got two, but he's probably gone after this year. In terms of um, edge defender, you've got Vernon. Desperately need to replace someone there. So you draft someone that this year can sit at number four and give you that amazing depth of having four really good edge defenders. But then hopefully that person can step up and then start opposite Miles Garrett next year. So you look for someone more with upside rather than instant delivery because you don't actually need it that much. On the interior, there's nothing. So you need sort of ideally look at a three tech there um, to then bring up behind Richardson. You can again look for more upside rather than instant delivery because you've got three decent defensive tackles there for this year. But if you can get some more, that's great. So they've just got to drop into the rotation. Linebacker, you're looking more probably for instant delivery there rather than other positions. Slot corner, for me, there's still not a slot corner on the roster. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone's grabbed there. And safety, they need another safety. All three are off the roster next year. It wouldn't surprise me either. So um, defense, there's a lot of weakness and a lot of stuff. On the offense, it's pretty limited to wide receiver and probably another tight end. And they have seen a lot of interesting tight ends. I think they've called four in for virtual um, visits so far. So they're definitely looking at that as well. Whereas we look at the opposite, we haven't apparently had a safety in yet. And we've had two corners that have come in. And one of them's Okuda. So um, they're going a bit light in coverage. But just because some names have come out for those virtual workouts... Um, it doesn't mean more have happened or some other stuff happened at the combine. Thanks, Jack. And well, look, it's been a huge day for the Browns today. They, the last time that they launched new uh, jerseys was five years ago. Uh, first impression, Jeff, what are your impressions of the Cleveland Browns 2020 new uniforms? I liked them. I, they're a, they're a, a nod to the classic. It's not a radical change, but they, they got rid of the things that I specifically did not like about the current or what's now the old ones. I didn't like the lettering uh, on the pants, especially, but also on the front of the Jersey. It's very clean looking. It's very classic. Would have liked some orange pants. And I've been led to believe that we might still see those at some point. We'll see. But uh, I, I like it. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the white. I really like the way that the, the, shoulder, the stripes on the shoulders pop. I, I think that was a really good look. It's a smart look. Uh, I showed it off to my kids. They seem to like it too. So uh, f- fairly well received from the Risen household. And let's be really clear. Are your kids Lions or Browns fans? Uh, my kids are actually Houston Texans fans because oh. they, they lived there during their formative years, uh, sort of when that team started to get really good and they've, we haven't lived there in some time, but they've still carried it over. So my son is a uh, heartbroken DeAndre Hopkins Texans fan. <laughs> uh, okay, Jack, I know it doesn't really interest you that much uniforms, but let's have your uh, two pence worth. What do you think about the Browns' new uniforms? Yeah, so it's, it's something that I've found really interesting sort of seeing it this year, of like all the hype around a, a uniform launch and um, when it comes to or UK football or soccer is sort of something fans go, oh, okay, release something. And then it move on. It's not really sort of a built-up event the same way it is in the US. I think um, I'd like them, to be fair. I'd had to spend a while looking at that sort of main uniform versus the one Paul wears all the time as sort of the classic Jim Brown one. And I, I was wondering, I, I think I messaged you lads in the group. I said, 
have they actually changed? Because I didn't really notice anything versus what he wears. So uh, I text the joke if they just like rehash the old stock and then put it out there. But no, I think the one thing I did like the arm stripes on the color rush is the only thing that I would say. But other than that, they look great. Um, personally, I'm happy the orange is gone. I think it was a bit too much for the eyes. Um, but no, I, I really like them. I, I think that jersey that you wear all the time with 32 Paul Brown um, is really nice. So uh, no, um, positive. Um, I don't know if I'll be getting one. I think, it's, as Jeff said on Twitter, it's a bit early before the draft, knowing who's safe, who's not. Um, this is the first draft of a front office and crazy things do happen. Yeah, you're very true. And that kind of leads us on to our next point. Next is obviously uh, Odell Beckham. But I'll just give you my uh, uh, views on the uniform. I like the white one with the white pants and the brown pants. I think they really do uh, pop out. I think they're really slick and cool. The brown, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, the colour rush, I think it's a bit of a downgrade. I prefer the colour rush from last year. I think that's the point you were trying to make, Jack, if I'm correct. Yeah, I, I think uh, it just missed that little bit on the arms. I think it gave it some pop. Like The other three kits have all got those nice stripy arms, whereas it's a bit plain, the colour rush, which is a shame. Yeah. I think we all liked the colour rush so much because the other jerseys in the past were just sort of meh. And and those were really nice. And when they came out, and by the way, they played well in them the first time they wore them. And I think I think fans got an attachment to that. But I, I'm with you. I, of the new ones, they're probably my least favorite of the the new design. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know why they didn't keep the uh, the stripe on the arm uniform with them. Just uh, I just yeah, maybe they're trying to keep it very classic. I don't know, but I I did think that. Uh, yeah, I think they would have gone with that. But And my last point is I've been on the uh, Cleveland Browns shop and it's still quite tough to tell the difference between last year's and this year's jerseys. I'm like panicking going, am I going to buy last year's jersey? So I'm, I am double checking everything before if I do buy. But a bit of a shame you can't get them to July. You can buy them now and you don't get them to July. That's a bit of a uh, anti-climax. Yeah, that is that's that's the state of affairs of where we're at, though. You know, yeah, and true. It, it, it is going for a good cause. So if you do it, it's going to their their uh, heroes fund, uh, that which is a very good thing. I I will be getting one, probably Miles Garrett, unless they draft somebody that I really really like at some point. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to do it. Here's a question for you: Do you reckon that the is it the Bucks had a New Jersey as well? They and, do, and the, and the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah. Do they also have to wait to July for their jerseys? That's a good question. I don't know. I will say this, though. The, the Browns did much the Falcons did. The Falcons ones, uh, not, not for me. <laughs> no? And why is that? I, it, it, looks, it looks like they stole it from the XFL or from Texas Tech. And I would rather an NFL team be a little bit more original and setting the brand rather than borrowing the brand. I think the Browns have a very good color scheme to do that with, and they've done that. You know, the, the iconic teams that you see, you know, much as I hate to say it, the Steelers, their uniforms have always looked good. The Packers, you know, the, the Colts have always had the traditional look. Um, when you're changing it as radically as the Falcons have, you're, you're asking for a lot there. As a, as a Cleveland Cavaliers diehard it, it's like going from, you know, the, the, the blue and orange to the whatever the heck they wore in the Mike Fratello era. Um, thank God those are gone. You know, th that didn't last long for a reason, and I think the Falcons are going to wind up finding that out. 
All right, last point, guys, is Odell Beckham. Rumours to the Vikings for a second and a fifth. Uh, Jeff, what's your view on that, mate? Oh, there's not enough beer in my fridge right now to drink to tolerate that kind of stuff. It's, it's noise. It seems like it's absolute nonsense. I'll, I'll say it this way. Do I think that the Browns are trying to trade Odell Beckham Jr.? Absolutely not. I do not think they are trying to. Are they going to listen if somebody calls? Yes, they will. Are they going to get more than, than that, a second and a fifth, from a team that would have to cut at least one fairly high-priced player to get so they could absorb? Keep in mind, the Vikings would need to cut about $6.5 million of salary cap room so they could afford to, to get Beckham onto the roster. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think anybody thinks they're going to do that. I think, uh, I think if the Browns are going to get rid of him, it's going to be for more than that into a team that's better situated to take on Beckham. And uh, that's where I'm at with it. Jack, your views? Yeah, and it, it was even more bizarre. It was, it was talking about a second and a fifth, not this year, but next year. It's, uh, it, it was laughable. The, the only thing that I could see a trade potentially coming out is something that involves um, Harris coming our way. And I've been keeping an eye out, waiting for that contract to be released. Um, by the Vikings because the details just aren't there for the structure. So how much sort of money they could move? Is it just guarantees? Um, in which case they could trade it all over or is it structured in a way they're going to have to eat the dead cap? Because based on sort of the signing bonus and structure of some other stuff, you'll know whether he's 100% staying there or they might look to sort of trade him and then get some value. But it, it just doesn't make sense with the deal. Obviously, if you start throwing in Harris and potentially throw in some other stuff you might get somewhere nearer that they're interested in but I, I can't see it this year I think their value is low on both of our wide receivers whereas next year hopefully you see the value up on at least one that they feel confident moving and then you can really cash in it was just it was never going to make sense this year um, I've spoke all the way as early as sort of last off season saying it's not going to be next year the year after one of them's probably moving but uh, it's not going to be this off season but they're going to listen to all offers they, the rumours that are always out there, oh, Browns are interested in this free agent, they're interested in this free agent. They've probably spoke to everyone, as any good, sensible, smart front office does. They're then going to sound everyone out. So you can't sit there and make a decision in free agency unless you know what the going price is for all the players you might be slightly interested in. Even if you don't want a player, you need to know what the biggest players in free agency are getting so you can sort of balance that market and get a really good deal and make sure you're making the right call. So. It's something they're just doing their due diligence. And on the same way on draft night, I think it was mentioned about how Sashi Brown basically spoke to every front office and knew every little trade offer that was on the table that he could move to because information is king, especially in a world of free agency, of the draft, trades. You've got to know all the deals that are out there. And it's how you can do things like a fourth rounder for a punter. Um, deals like that only happen if you're speaking, consuming all that information and then making the smart move. So... I think they're just sounding out. They've probably spoke about trades, multiple different trades, not just for OBJ, um, but they'll continue to speak to teams and when they find the value. And I can't see them dumping players like we've seen previous regimes, Browns do. If they're making moves, it's going to be good value. Um, I don't think you're ever going to see a fourth for a punter again, but if they can find value, they can find talent and they can find a good deal, then uh, they're going to make it. They're going to go after players. This will probably be the final year of big free agency moves for Cleveland you're then going to see loads of these moves where we go and trade and pick up people later on contracts um, and moves like that. So 
that's the way aggressive front offices do it when they're at the top. You've got to play the comp pick formula, and that means trading. So uh, no, they'll be talking, but it was farcical, this deal. The second and fifth next year, that's effectively a third and a sixth this year. Um, no one's going for that as a uh, elite wide receiver. Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Jeff, any articles coming out in the next uh, few days that we should keep our eyes open for? Oh, we've just got so much stuff going on. We, we've got all kinds of things, uh, doing positional breakdowns by round, like a, 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 an offensive guard for every round I did today. We've done uh, wide receiver, I think. We've done cornerback. Uh, we're, we're getting through them all. A um, lot, of, lot of commentary on mock drafts and situations and stuff like that. We will have uh, our own Browns Wire dream mock draft. Um, if everybody ever gets together on that, it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun. And and draft night, we're going to have tons of stuff. Uh, I would I would love to come on and talk to you guys about the Lions stuff, but I will also uh, be out there doing a lot of Brown stuff. They tend to be my focus during the draft because, well, quite honestly, they're a little bit more interesting right now than, than the Lions are. <laughs> Excellent. And Jack, how about yourself, mate? Got any articles in the pipeline, buddy? So still just working on the one of should teams draft in the first round if they don't need a quarterback. So uh, it's something I'm working on, sort of put some numbers out there for what the sort of moves look like. Would you rather have sort of the 10th pick or have three in the second round, uh, two in the third round? And it's just looking at that sort of uh, asking that question because we know teams aren't good at drafting. We've seen plenty of bad picks. Um, You only have to look at the Browns the last. Uh, In the past, if you look at the history of the 10th pick, there's been a few good players, like obviously Patrick Mahomes. You've had Stefan Gilmore there. There's not actually that many get picked good that are at 10. So would you rather have all of those picks and then possibly a couple of absolute studs in free agency because you save the cap? So it's something I'm working on, and um, let's see what uh, comes out of it. But I'm putting the information on the table, and people can draw their own conclusions. But challenging my thought process, so I thought I'd share it with everyone. Hey, one thing on that, um, I do have a history of trading the 10th pick coming out tomorrow. Ooh. And uh, it, it's, it's all over the place. There have been some where it's great to trade it. And then there are some, um, actually, the Mahomes trade is a very interesting one because Buffalo did pretty well for themselves on that too. It's been a fascinating thing to research and I hope that people check it out. Uh, it'll be out tomorrow morning. Excellent. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. I'm super excited. We've got literally seven more sleeps maybe eight till the draft and I can't wait just follow up by saying go Browns the season hopefully is getting closer and closer and closer hey, right, right, right. Hey, right, right, right.